Get my spectacles on, and I'll tell you what chapter. Be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. As we look at um, the letter here to the church in Corinth, I think it's important to back up a little bit before we get into the message and, and, and look at what this letter is all about. You see, as the letter was wrote to the church in Corinth, the church in Corinth had a lot of issues going on there. Um, and now it is important to remember that this letter is going out to the church. This is not a letter going out to a bunch of um, un, unsaved people. It's a letter to Christians. However, these Christians are not living in good conduct. Uh, we have situations of sexual immorality in this church. We have division in this church. Uh, we have worldliness in this church. I mean, there. And if we want to get really honest about you know churches today in the world, I, when I see the church in Corinth, I see the church today in America. There's a lot of issues going on in God's church in America today. Um, they may be born again, they may be saved, but they got issues. They got some problems. So we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll look at the topic this tonight of the carnal-minded Christian. So we'll start in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, where the Bible says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Let's bow our heads for a blessing on God's word. Most kind, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight, Lord. We know, Lord, the power that rests within it, Lord, and it is proclaimed tonight, Lord. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would use it, Lord, to touch the hearts of those that are here, Lord, that if someone would be unsaved, Lord, that it would, it, would, it would convict them, Lord. And for the church, Lord, it would convict us and show us our need, Lord, to be more spiritual, Lord, that we would commit ourselves fully unto you, Lord, and not be distracted by the things of this world. We thank you, Lord, for your, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to preach and the freedom that we have, Lord, to do so. We love you. We thank you. We praise you, Lord, for everything. And in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. As we look at what the Paul is saying here to the church in Corinth, first we need to look at is what does carnal mean? There's not a word we use often in our modern English. And the word carnal, as the Schofield reference has here, means fleshly, worldly, uh, physical, not spiritual. And when we look at carnal... We see a lot of carnality in our world. When we look at TV, when they're advertising any product, they try to use uh, sex appeal. They try to use uh, some sort of cool factor to make you buy their products. Um, our people are not, our young people are not being taught that modesty is essential anymore. In fact, they believe that people should not tell them what to wear or how to act or how to handle themselves. They're carnal. They're completely wrapped up. And you want to know why people are not concerned with church or concerned with the Bible or concerned with God is because they are too wrapped up in the world around them. They can't focus on the spiritual. I'm going to give a look at a couple facts here that we see in the Word tonight. And the first thing we need to realize is the carnal mind can keep you from a, an intimate relationship with God. Romans 8, 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. 
You see, when we are focusing on fleshly things, we don't worry about what the Bible says about certain topics. We worry about what the world says about certain topics. And when we go way back to, we're talking 20s, 30s, we didn't have all these ways for the world to come into our homes. But now we have this great big old 47-inch, mine's not 47-inch, but a big old thing on our t- in our house called a television set that pumps the world in 24-7. You can turn on any time, day or night, and it will give you the world perspective on anything. Now, yes, there's Christian channels, but they are far and few between, and a lot of them aren't worth the title Christian. I'll just be bluntly honest with you. Uh, there's a lot of people on there that I wouldn't put, ever put in a pulpit of a church because they're teaching things that are not biblical. Well, there's plenty of books we have in our homes, and there's nothing wrong with reading Christian literature. However, there's plenty of books that are not Christian literature we're picking up and reading. Let me tell you something. Sometimes the biggest carnal influence in our home is the news. We turn that news on, we pick that newspaper up, we read all kinds of garbage on there, and we are complete, we're not worried about what the Word says. We're wrapped up in what the news says, wrapped up in what man says, wrapped up in man's report. There are um, people today that are, are you know, they, they would slam you because uh, the Bible says that homosexuality is wrong. That is, that's not cool with the world anymore. The world says we're bigots because we believe that. The world says we're closed-minded because we believe that. But they're very quick to tell us that you know Christianity's wrong, and that's okay in their mind, as long as you don't attack things that are sin. The devil has them wrapped up in believing that if it feels good, just do it. Nike says it. All these commercials say it. Our kids have been taught challenge authority. Don't listen to your teachers. Don't listen to your police officers. Don't listen to your parents. And because they have that mindset, they cannot see, they cannot understand that the Word of God is not physical, it is spiritual. They need to realize that when they compare ourselves to the law, see, they they don't see the law of God as mattering to them. Because in their eyes, the only thing that matters is what my friend says, or my buddy says, or what the guy down the road says about me. It doesn't matter God's opinion of me. And when we do that, we take the effect of the the law of God out of the equation. You see, the law of God is our schoolmaster. It shows us our need for a Savior. But if we don't care what the law of God says, there goes your conviction factor. They're not convicted when the only thing that matters to them is what how they, the, the, their neighbor or their co-worker thinks about them. And they're not worried about how a God of the universe thinks about them. You see, when we look at the law and we compare ourselves unto the law and we see that we are wretched sinners, and that's what we are. We are all wretched sinners. We're all a beautiful mess that God saves anyways. When we see ourselves as that, salvation becomes very possible. As Christians, if I don't look at God's Word and and measure myself on a daily basis, there's very little repenting going on in my life. If I don't repent daily, I can't have a close relationship with God. It can't be done. Every day I look at myself through the Word, through what God gives me in His Word, and I say, wow, I need a lot of work. And I start going to God in prayer saying, Lord, clean me up. Make me better. Help me do better, Lord. Help me be the the pastor. Help me be the husband. Help me be the the, the brother, the son, the teacher. Whatever my... Help me be what you want me to be. Because if we don't do that in each of our individual lives, each of our individual homes, in our prayer closets, along with God, that closeness with God is not there. And as we learned this morning, that power, the power still rests with God, but the power is cut off. 
if you want true Holy Ghost power, and, and this is, and, and, you know, we, we Baptists sometimes we don't like talking about this because we say it's a Pentecostal thing, Holy Ghost power. No, Holy Ghost power is for any born again believer. I'm not talking about some sort of, you know, supernatural, you know, show or anything. I'm talking about Holy, true Holy Ghost power of conviction, true Holy Ghost power of the Spirit of God pressing upon the heart of man that he needs a Savior. In order to have the filling of the Spirit, we cannot be carnal-minded. We must seek the spiritual. Not only that, but carnal rules. Rules lead to division. Hebrews 9.10 tells us, "...which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation." If you've been around churches, any at all, and most of you have, or you talk to Christians, you'll realize there's a lot of man-made rules in churches. Thank God there's not an ounce in the Bible. I know people, uh, you'll go to them and say, I wish you'd come to church sometime. I can't. I don't have a dress. I say, I don't care. That's a man-made rule. Uh, plenty of man-made things. And here's a real big problem with man-made things. First off, they're a stumbling block. They're an obstacle to the gospel. And that should never occur. The second thing is, if you want to really argue man-made rules that are not in this book, you have not a leg to stand on. You cannot sit in a church business meeting, and by the way, I found this out today, the first church business meeting ever took place in the book of Acts is when uh, they replaced Judas Iscariot. That's free. You can just take that with you and think about that for a while because I didn't realize that until about a week ago, and I found it, and I thought well, that's pretty neat to discover that. But you cannot stand in a business meeting, cannot stand against another brother or sister and defend an ordinance, defend a rule, defend anything else that is carnally made. I could not never go up to you as a pastor and says this is what we have to do as a church if I made it up and it's just a preference and not in this Bible. Anything else is traditions. Anything else is preference. Anything else is opinion. Now there's things that every, we all do as part of our traditions and that's fine until it gets in the way of the Spirit of God or until it gets in the way of another brother coming to Christ or gets in the way and becomes a stumbling block in some way. You see, when it boils down to if we would really take a look at ourselves and look at our practices, look at what we think is critical and compare it to the Word of God, it's amazing how many things really aren't that critical. There's things we make big deals out of. Um, I, I got slammed one time because I was somewhere and I didn't have a suit jacket on. And I wasn't even preaching. I was just part of the service. I don't even remember what I was doing. Leading service, singing something. I was somewhere and I got called up to do that. And I didn't have a suit jacket on. They said, oh, how dare he stand on a stage without a suit jacket. And I thought, well, you know, Jesus didn't wear a suit jacket. Hate to break it to you, but it never occurred. Nothing wrong with wearing one. But when it becomes a requirement, when you make that a rule, when you're taking things outside of the Word of God and saying, this has to happen for a church to function or for God to be pleased with our church, it's wrong. It's sinful and we're lying. You see, folks, we need to focus on the essential sometimes and let go of some of these things that we're creating stumbling blocks out of. Too many churches around us and maybe even us, I mean, I'm not old enough and been around long to know a whole lot, have allowed man-made things to keep people from, from their church, to keep people from God, when really we should be opening doors to let people in, to want people to come in. That doesn't mean we lower our standards away from godly standards. God does want modesty. God does want uh, reverence. God does want order in His assembly. But what He doesn't want is us to create things that is not required in His Word. Folks, we need to make sure that we're not focused on these silly carnal things, but we're getting into the spiritual things. And it does cause them. You want to know why there's a thousand denominations? Most of them are because of carnal things. Nine times out of ten, they're not even doctrinal issues. There's something silly about when you take up offering in a service or something that's completely inconsequential nine times out of ten. 
and they make it a hill to die on. We should never do that. The Bible says, should Christ be divided? No. Christ's church is his church. And as long as his church is teaching what the Bible says, doing what the Bible says, this other stuff sometimes it needs to take a back seat. We need to liberalize. There's Christian liberty. There's freedom in Christ. See, the world, the word does not mold carnal people. John 12, 48 tells us, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth me. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Here's the thing about carnal people. Carnal people does not allow the word to have any move in their life. The word should affect us. When it is preached or when we go at home and read it, when we hear it, it should have an impact on us. We should say, oh, you know, I remember times when I, I, you know, you, you hear things that are not biblical. It's just worldly things, and it, it changes you. Or maybe it's like we'll read on the news. Well, if you eat, drink three cups of coffee a day, it's going to have a higher risk of heart attacks or something. Of course, the next week will say it'll, it'll give you less chance of heart attack. And we hear that, and it affects us. We say, "Oh, I better change my lifestyle. I'm drinking too much coffee." If that affects us, how much more should the Word of God impact us? It should make us want to be what the Word of God tells us to be like. There is things, like I said, that is not a week doesn't go by that I don't get in here and I don't see something. I think, well, goodness, I've never seen that before. I mean, every day we, when you get into God's Word, if you honestly are seeking it, honestly looking for God to speak to you in it, He tells you so many things that you never, ever, ever realize. My views on things, I continually grow. I've heard some people say, well, you shouldn't change your views. Well, if the Bible shows you're wrong, you should. Right. There's plenty of times I was wrong about things, and I get into God's Word and I say, wow, I'm completely off base. I need to change my interpretation of that. Um, the, like I said, the, the idea of eternal security for years to me was like, I, I just didn't get it. And the more I read it, the more beautiful God's love became and the more richer His grace became. And then someone, I heard someone tell me, well, it doesn't make logical sense. You're right. It doesn't. That's why it's so awesome. Because God is giving us something that we would never, ever, ever imagine receiving. He, he wants to do that. I mean, how beautiful that is. Um, you know, am I... So many things that we see. Folks, if you get into God's Word, I don't care if you've been saved eight seconds or 80 years, you are going to see things unfold, and God's going to reveal things to you and show you things and speak to you in ways that words cannot explain. You know, I teach history, and I read a lot of history, and history books don't affect me. History books don't move me. I say, awesome, that's neat. That's good to learn. But it doesn't make me change my life. It doesn't bring me to repentance. It doesn't convict me. But when I read this word, God's infallible, perfect, never-changing, never-altering word, and I see things in it, and I see my faults, I see my failures, I see encouragement that I need during my week. I can come home beat to death and pick up this book and open it. And sometimes I don't even, it's not even planned. I just say, Lord, speak to me. I'll just open and start reading. And suddenly God gives me something that I needed. Maybe I just got thumped to death by the devil all day long, and he touches me. But you know what? If I get carnal-minded, this word doesn't speak to me any longer. Amen. I start getting so concerned with everything else. And here's the, here's the thing about it, folks. It's very easy to say, well, that's not me. I don't do that. It will creep in so easy. You don't have to be a, 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 a lethargic or apathetic or careless Christian for it to happen. It can come very easy. You come home, you're tired, you flip that TV on. Next thing you know, you're falling asleep with the TV on and you never did crack the book. 
folks, it's it's simple. It's happened to me before. I know it can. It's, it's and it creeps on without you even thinking about it. But when we read what they're saying here, it's saying that even though the word does not affect these people, the word is still going to judge these people. See, here's the thing about it. We can plead ignorance, but ignorance doesn't work. This is the reason in and. In courts, learned this through Harry Freeman's civics class, high school, 2003. In courts, if you break the law in America, you cannot plead ignorance of the law. Not acceptable. You know, you can say, I don't know, it's illegal to kill somebody. You're still going to go to prison for killing somebody. You still broke the law. Well, with God's the same way. You can say, well, I was ignorant. I didn't know that was a sin. Well, the problem is God has provided his Bible and his word everywhere. In our one little area here, imagine how many churches we pass in 10 miles that have this book open at least once a week and are teaching it. Not only that, but God, and I hear, I heard a, had a teenager ask me the other day, the teenager said, what about people who don't hear the gospel? Well, the Bible says everyone will have the gospel proclaimed to them. It'll be presented in some way, some fashion, some format. Now, the thing is, once that word has went out, the question is, are we going to accept it? and submit ourselves to the spiritual? Or are we going to turn away from it and give in to the carnal? And that's a self-given choice. God has given us the free will to make that decision for ourselves. You see, God gives us every opportunity, and I believe He is patient and long-suffering. I know He is. I think of how many times I, well, I was sitting about probably fourth row back on this side and experienced conviction in this very church at the end of Sunday school and left and never once gave my life to the Lord. I think about times I come to revivals and stuff with Granny, special services, and experience conviction and refuse to submit to the Lord. But God still was working. I give this warning with that, though. God don't have to do that. The Bible talks about people who have basically have no desire for the things of God. They want to practice lawlessness. They want to be wicked. And because of that, God gives them their way. He turns them over to a reprobate mind. He, 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 he hardens their heart. He allows them to be what they choose to be. Folks, we need to be careful playing in the carnal because we may find God letting us stay carnal. We want to live in that spiritual realm. See, John 6, 63 says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. And I don't know about you, but I like life. I want life. I want eternal life. only way you can receive that is through the spiritual things of God. When I, I've said it here a thousand times before, but I'll say it again. For one semester at Southern, I took a wonderful, wonderful New Testament studies class, and I learned the New Testament. I could almost recite it backwards and forwards. But I wasn't saved. I didn't know the spiritual part of the Bible. It didn't speak to me. It didn't want to make me do anything. I just memorized what the stories were. And in my mind, that's what they were, good stories. But then I suddenly, when, when I experienced conviction and I gave my life to the Lord and I asked Him for His forgiveness and He saved me and I began to read it, it begins to touch me. Convict me. I can be brought to tears sometimes just sitting with this book open on my lap. And if someone walked by, they think, man, that fellow's just crazy. And I am. I, I am crazy about God. Because I want to be spiritually pleasing to Him. Now, my flesh don't profit of the whole lot for this. And the Bible even goes at one part, it says, Bodily exercise profiteth a man little. And the reason bodily exercise profiteth a man little is you could be in the best shape under the world and still split hell wide open. You need to take care of the spiritual. That spiritual man needs to be exercised. 
needs to be fed good word. This Paul says here, he says, listen, because you are carnal, because you're in the flesh, because you refuse to get spiritual, I cannot give you the meat of the word. I'm having to stick you on the milk and keep you there. If we want to grow spiritually, we got to move ourselves up to the meat. It's just like our children. You know, when, when Drew and Sadie were babies, we gave them formula. We gave them babies the milk. They grew. They got on the milk so long. And after a while, they said, you need to start giving a little bit of food along. Then you start giving more solid food. And moving on up. Folks, you know, a lot of times in the church, we're not doing that. We're not moving up the food chain there. We go to the, we get saved, we get born again, we may even come forward and get baptized, um, we may even take church membership, and then we're like, well, I've done it all, says I've done it all, I've got as far as I can go. When in reality, you've never went as far as you can go until you're in glory, because there's always more to know. There's always ways to be better. There's all, and, and here's the thing, even if a man has studied this word for a hundred years, if he gets out of this word and gets away from God, that doesn't change the, the, the fact that he has a relationship with God, but what it will change is how close he is to God. Right. We never have too much of God. I got on fire the other day. This kid, I don't know who it was. I can't remember now, but they was trying to get him to come to prayer club. And they said, well, I go to church on Sunday. I said, oh, I guess you mean you can have too much Jesus in your life. Then. Is that what you're telling me? And of course, they started you know, going back and forth, and we didn't really give or come to agree on it. But you can't ever get too close. My happiest moments in my life is when I have more Jesus than I know what to do with. Because it just overflows. There's times I drive to work and, and I always have a sermon playing with my in my headphones or I'll have something on the radio playing. And when I just feel the spirit well up in me and tears begin to flow because it makes me emotional sometimes because I'm I'm a, I'm a crier. I can't help that. It feels so wonderful. And I'll probably walk into work with my eyes all red and puffy sometimes. They think something's wrong with me. But I, I feel good when I get like that. Folks, we cannot enjoy God without being close to God. If we spend more time on NASCAR, Fox News, baseball, football, whatever whatever it is, or more time in uh, uh, unchristian literature or anything else than what we're spending with God, we got a problem. You see, God needs to be the focus. If, if not, we're just like these carnal mind people, floundering around, never growing, not being healthy. You know, it's, it's just like the body. Our body, you may be alive, but are you healthy? There's plenty of people that are alive that are very unhealthy individuals. They're barely breathing, they're barely walking, they're barely moving because they're not healthy. They're not taking in good stuff. They're not eating fruits, veggies, taking their vitamins, exercise, and all those things. They're not physically healthy. Our spiritual life is no different. If our spiritual life, if we're taking in junk, and that's one of the reasons that I, you know, I'm protective of who comes in here and preaches and stuff, because I don't want junk preached to a, a congregation that is my responsibility. It's one reason that I pray and I study and pray and study and pray and study, and that I get stressed out about when I preach because it does make you nervous. It's a huge responsibility. The Bible says we're held accountable when we teach God's Word. Not just the pastor, but anyone in a Sunday school classroom, youth class, anything. You're teaching God's Word, you're held to a higher standard. It's, we want to make sure we're not feeding our people junk. If I went home and I fed Sadie and Drew nothing but Hershey bars, I bet you all would say that I was probably the poorest father in the world, and I deserve to be called that. 
Well, how many times have we eaten spiritually on Hershey bars? We know this story, and here's the thing. You know, there's a reason we walk our kids up through Sunday school. Sunday school is an awesome program. It was then way, way, way back in the early days of this country. And the reason it's so awesome is the kids in Sharon's nursery class cannot absorb what the adults hear out here. It wouldn't, mount, wouldn't mean nothing to them. They couldn't understand. It's too deep of material. But they work their way up as they come through Brenda's class, Anita's class, and Adam's class, and they work their way to get to stronger material. The problem is we got a lot of adults still feasting on the stuff that's, that's taught out there. Yeah. They'll tell you, they'll say, well, yeah, Noah had a big old boat, and there was a flood. That's all they got. They don't realize that that ark, that ark is representation of the church and that we are in the ark of safety when we become saved and born again. They don't get that. Or they'll know about, well, Adam and Eve was in the garden. They don't realize that we inherited an Adam nature because of the sin when he went against God. They don't realize that. We need to get to the meat of the matter. And it can't be done through lazy Christianity. That's the nicest way. I was trying to find a softer way to say it, but I can't find one. We have to get serious about it. Seven days a week, 365, that we're inside God's Word and we're studying. We're learning things. Folks, home devotion. Man, home devotion is important. People don't do it no more. I've, and like I said, I don't raise on notes. I ask my teenagers, when's the last time you talked about the Bible in your house? We don't really talk about the Bible. We talk about ball games. We talk about uh, this. We talk about music. We, this, we don't talk about the Bible. I say, you don't even discuss it? You don't ever pray together? Don't you have issues at least that you pray about? Well, no, we don't really do that in our home. That's a problem. And here's the thing, spiritual problems start, don't start at the church house, they start at the house. Mom and dad does start not raising the kids the way they ought to go. They're not teaching what they need to learn. Um, um, they, they don't allow them to come to church or they don't, don't take them or whatever. Um, they, all this stuff goes on. Then you have Junior and, and Sissy doesn't think it's important because they're not being brought um, mommy and daddy's not praying in front of them. They're not even talking about Jesus in front of them. They said, well, mom and dad don't think it's serious. Why should I think it's serious? Right. And next thing you know, a generation is lost. It's happening, folks. We're watching it happen. Look around you at the ages in this building today, and this is not odd. I've traveled. I've seen it. This is a top and picture of every church in the world today. It's all the same. All about the same age group. We're losing people, folks. It's scary, and it's sad, and it's disheartening. You see, when we look at this last verse here in verse 4, it doesn't matter what man you're going to follow, what teacher you're going to follow if you're not following God. These folks here, they're real quick to say, man, I'm a follower of Paul. I'm a follower of Apollos. But man, he throws back at him and says, but are you not carnal? You know, there's people today that will talk about all these TV preachers that they are, you know, intimately following. They, I, I, they say, I, mean, I watch Charles Stanley every week. Now, I don't attend a church, but I, I watch Charles Stanley every week. And Charles Stanley is a great man of God, in my opinion. However, it does not change that the Bible says that we should assemble ourselves. You can't do that sitting on the couch in front of the big screen. You see, too often times we get so caught up in, well, we are following this man when we're not following God. If the best you ever do is coming and following what I tell you, but you never follow God, there's a huge problem there. You see, I am a human. I am in the flesh. I have faults. I have failures. There are times that I may even be wrong. I tell my kids I'm wrong at least once a year. And in reality, I'm wrong a lot more than that. But we have to follow after God. 
You see, if you're carnal, you're not worried about God. You're worried about, well, I came to church, I will check that off. Or, well, I, I've, I've read my one verse for tonight, I'll check that off. Um, I, I done my Sunday school lesson, so I'm good for the week. Check it off. But they're just checking boxes. Folks, if the most we do is just check our boxes, we're not getting into the real part we need to get as mature Christians. We need to get so wrapped up in God's Word that we look, we look forward to getting to sit down and finally get into this. I love more than anything. Uh, I, I got a, I got, had a good shrimp dinner this evening. I love shrimp. Love shrimp. I could eat seafood 24-7. Love shrimp. Two things I love, shrimp and chicken livers. I drive chicken livers and a piece of cake. And when it's cooking and I smell it, man, I mouth waters. Like, man, I cannot wait to bite in that good fried chicken liver. The Word of God should be the very same way and more so. When we think about, I'm going to get a few, you know, when the kids go to bed, I'll get to set up and I get to open my Bible and really get in it and get to hear from God. That should excite us. When we think about coming to church, it should excite us. We shouldn't say, i got to go to church, it's Sunday. We should say, I get to go to church, it's Sunday. We should be excited to be here. When we run into each other on the streets, we should be excited to fellowship and have time together. We should be excited to, to, to see God move in our community. We should, and it's not should be something we, well, I hope God moves. I'll, we should expect God to move. Because we are His church. We are His bride. That is special. We're not just meek little uh, servants wringing our hands, hoping something good happens. We have the God of the universe at our disposal, listening to us, wanting to bless us, loving us. And we don't, we say, well, I hope something good happens. Man, we should expect something good to happen. We should expect God to put conviction on our lost family, friends, and loved ones. We should expect God to move in ways that blesses us, in ways that we can't even understand with our feeble human minds. But too often we just think, oh, goodness, I hope something. No, don't hope. Believe. Have faith. Trust God. It may not always move the way you want Him to, but it will move the way that is best for you. A lot of times I don't do what my kids want me to do. But I do what I think is best for them. And it's the same thing with our Father. Luke 6.46 says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You see, it's easy to say that I'm a Christian. It's easy to say that I love God. But are you truly in love with God the way you say you are if you're not listening and obeying what He has for us to do? You see, you may be born again, but you may be very carnal if we're not careful. And I'm going to give you one more verse tonight, Matthew 7, 21 through 23. I just want to share this with you. I'm going to turn over there so I'm not going to try to quote it. I'm afraid I'll mess it up. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Now everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not... Uh, prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, these people that talked about here, there, there are generally three groups of, of Christians. I use air quotes because not everyone who says that they're a Christian is truly a Christian. First, you've got Christians that are in good fellowship. They're doing what they need to do. They're getting into their word. They're striving, they're struggling, they're marching, they're praying, they're seeking, and they are doing their best to have a good relationship. Not a, just a relationship, but a good relationship with God. we got carnal Christians, when we talked about tonight, that they're saved, they're born again, 
And they may attend church regularly, possibly even. But they are so wrapped up in all the physical things that they're missing out the blessings of the spiritual things. They're not as effective because they're not uh, being close with God. They're just with God. And the third group are just unsaved. The folks are talking about here, Jesus is talking about in my mind, are the religious folks. They got religion, but they don't have Jesus. Folks, there's plenty of people around us. They've got religion. They can put on one dandy of a show. Man, they will be at every service. They may shout the house down, but they don't know Jesus at all. A lot of times they're self-righteous, pharisaical is the word I like to use. They, they, they believe that they're going to heaven because they're good. But the Bible says that none of us are good, no, not one. You really want to know how to be carnal, how to not be carnal, should I say. You need to see yourself for what you are. The quickest thing that drives me to Jesus is when I see my faults. When I look in the mirror and I say, man, Justin is a mess. Justin has had so many failures in his life and Justin has made so many mistakes and Justin still makes so many mistakes. It makes me want more of God. Because I, I, and we see this when Jesus is there and you see the woman come in and he is, Jesus is sitting and eating with the Pharisees and the woman, I believe she's a harlot if I, my, my memory's correct, and she's washing Jesus' feet uh, with her hair there and the Pharisees are like, what are you fooling with her? And Jesus makes a comment, something to the nature of basically those who have been forgiven much um, pretty much love him more. Um, and I think of myself the same. When I think of everything God forgives me for on a daily basis, it makes me want to be less carnal and more spiritual. There's plenty of things that I used to make time for carnally that I just don't I don't fool with no more. And it's not that they're bad things, not that they're even sinful things. It's just that I want more Jesus. And I know the way for me to get more. Here's the thing. You have 24 hours in a day. Nothing's going to ever change that. You have seven days in a week. Nothing's ever going to change that until you're in eternity. What you do with that time is up to you. Now, God has given you that time. The time you have here on earth, God has blessed you with. I feel that time is very much just like our money. We need to give it back to Him. If He gives us time, we're not giving it back to Him. We're wasting a blessing. That doesn't mean God doesn't want you to take vacations, enjoy your family, and do things. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God should still come priority. When you're on vacation, why can't you read your Bible? When church is canceled, when snow or whatever hits, why can't you have home Bible studies with your family? May I tell you something? You really want your family to do, to really, really have a move of God in it. You get together around a table and crack a Bible open together. Pray and get into that word together. It is awesome the things that God will do. Some of these at-home Bible studies are some of the most spiritual things I've ever been a part of in my life. Uh, home church service, some of the most spiritual things I've ever been a part of in my life. Just because it is awesome to get together in one mind, one accord, love on each other, and just really seek God and His Word. Folks, we have a choice to make in our life. Which of the three Christians do we want to be? Do we want to be the religious, unsaved person? I pray that's none of us. Do we want to be the carnal Christian? I hope that's none of us either. But we, again, we have to guard against that. Do we want to really be close to God? Really be on fire for God. Really be passionate. If you think back to when you were saved, and maybe this is just me, but I think back to when I was saved, man, I was on fire. I mean, when, when they, it seems like everyone I've ever known, when they get saved, they want to be at every service. They want to know everything they can know. They want to really understand what happened to them. And then that devil starts shooting those fiery darts. 
And they start getting more relaxed, more relaxed, more relaxed. Doesn't mean that they lost the relationship, but that means they become lukewarm. And when we look at the book of Revelation, the lukewarm Christian, it makes God sick. I don't want to ever make God sick. There's times I'm sure he's not as proud as I'd like him to be, but I don't want to ever make him sick. Folks, as we as we close out the service now, I, I want you to, to, to assess yourself. I can't assess you. I don't know your relationship. You could fool me all day long. I may think you are absolutely on fire. The Holy Ghost is moving on you and everything else. And you, may, you may not be born again. I don't have a clue. But you know. Folks, assess yourself. If you're one of those categories that you should not be in, you need to make that right with God. Maybe you, maybe you are, are carnal. Maybe you look at yourself and say, you know, I, I'm really not spiritual as I need to be. You need to take this moment and go to God and say, Lord, I'm, first off, I'm sorry that I have neglected so great a salvation. But I want more of you. Here's the thing. We said this morning, if you draw nigh unto him, he'll draw nigh unto you. If you ask for more of him and truly seek him with your heart, you will receive more of him. You will receive more closeness with him. Or maybe you're here today, you've never been saved. Again, I don't know your condition, but you do. My prayer is tonight is, is you, we go to our song of invitation, that you take that opportunity to trust God for your salvation. Turn to God and truly trust Christ for your salvation. Asking him to save you. You know, he's a God that keeps his promises. He's a God that is true to his word. And as he promises that as we call upon his name and we put our faith in him, and you know, so many times out the New Testament says, believe, 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 believe. And we get in the Greek and we look at the word believe, and the English is translated better to trust. To trust in him. Fully. Now, it doesn't mean one foot in, one foot. Fully trust that when we go to eternity, and we're all going to go there eventually, that because of that death on the cross, we know with a certainty that heaven is where we'll wind up. You're going to trust something. I wouldn't want to trust anything that man's created. I'd want to trust Jesus Christ for my salvation. And if you trust Him, you need to publicly profess it and let people know that you've been saved, that you've been born again. We're going to close out on page 539 tonight. Where He leads me. I pray where He leads you tonight, that's where you'll go. We'll stand and sing the first and the fourth verse.
We pray tonight services.